Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. podcast i'm thomas goldcamp joined here today by blake alderman lake uh usually when we do these late week episodes of the show we're kind of focusing on the upcoming game of the week Uh, a little bit different today we're going to start off with recruiting because it's been that kind of week for the florida gators uh big news just happened florida just landed a commitment from 2022 five-star sam mccall blake why don't you break down what he kind of gives the gators now that he's in the 2022 class yeah you know he's listed as an athlete uh, recruited to Florida as a defensive back. But, I mean, this is a guy that is extremely athletic. He plays wide receiver for his high school and excels there. I think he could see some – I could see some instances where he could play some offense at, at UF. Maybe not a whole lot because I think defensive back is going to be more like – more likely where he ends up at. He plays cornerback for his high school. He's very athletic. He has the length. Uh, he keeps up with Torian Gray, Florida's cornerbacks coach. He's a Polk County Lakeland guy himself. So, a lot of those ties really paid off. Uh, you know, one thing that McCall has said throughout the entire process uh, is that Florida has been the school recruiting him the hardest. I mean, this is a guy who picked Florida over Alabama. He picked him over Oklahoma, Florida State. Those were his final schools. Um, but, I mean, he's from Alabama. Originally. I mean, this guy's Twitter handle is literally at Alabama. So, I mean, this is a guy that had a lot of ties to the state of Alabama. His family is Alabama fans. But I think it's just the effort that Florida put in to recruit him harder than anybody else. And that's not even just Tory and Gray. That's Billy Gonzalez. That's, uh, that's Dan Mullen. That's guys in the recruiting office. So, I mean, they, they put the full court press on this guy. Obviously, getting a five-star commitment this early in the process for a class of 22 kind of sends that shockwave. Um, this is a guy that I think a lot of people in the state of Florida for the class of 22 will give Florida more of a look just – you know, I mean, they've got this five-star guy who knows a lot of people. Um, you know, he, he's uh, always around camps, not necessarily this year, just with all the shutdown. But, I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to get some looks from guys in the state of Florida. And, it's, I mean, I can't, I can't just – I can't go on enough about this is a big get for Florida really early in the 22 class. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. You know, when we've critiqued, I guess, Dan Mullen's recruiting, the, the big knock so far through the first three or four classes has been – where are the five stars? You know, those truly elite types. And I think now you're starting to see Florida have more success with those types. And it was one of those things that, you know, early on in his first class or two, you could kind of, you know, be a little bit patient with it and say, yeah, they need time to kind of establish their connections back in the state of Florida, you know, really start to build those relationships where they've known guys since, you know, they were recruiting them as freshmen. And I think you're starting to see that, you know, you talk about Javon Dexter, obviously a guy that came in last year as a five-star and starting to have an impact for Florida already. Uh, Jason Marshall, I believe, is a five-star in the the current class. Uh, now you've got, you know, kind of a centerpiece to that 2022 class. I think, like you said, it speaks a lot to this is the area of Florida recruiting that the, the Gators really needed to shore up. When you land a guy like this, a lot of times it can have kind of that snowball effect, that momentum, uh, where it really gives you the ability to start to recruit more of these guys because ballers want to play with ballers. No doubt. Now, and I think another thing to add, too, is just the fact that Florida – 
you know, back in, in those, you know, 2006, 2007 type championships, I mean, Florida was doing a really good job. You know, I mean, you look at the Lakeland guys, they got out of there. This is the third straight. I mean, not third straight, but I mean, uh, just based off the of cycle wise. But I mean, if you count DeMarcus Bowman out of the transfer portal, you look at Jervon Dexter out of Lake Wales High School and now Sam McCall, Florida's doing some work in Polk County. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's their third five-star guy from the, you know, from that area that they've added. So a bread and butter area for Florida that has a lot of talent. And I think that that's just, you're seeing that, you know, Dan Mullen knew the blueprint when he was there at Florida back in the day. You get that area where you have a lot of ties to the area. Um, you know, a lot of people, I mean, it's, it's like a two and a half, two hour drive ballpark there. So, I mean, these are the kind of guys you want to keep home for sure. You know, it's obviously hard to go down in, in South Florida, you know, Broward, Dade down there and battle out, you know, with a lot of these big time schools, not to necessarily even say Miami's and Florida States, but the Bama's, the Georgia's. Um, it's, it's not always easy to win there. So I think whenever you look at the areas like that, I mean, this is an area where you think Florida, when you look at a kid, when you scroll down the recruiting rankings and you see a guy is from, you know, that two hour, two and a half hour ballpark trip to Gainesville, those are the guys that you used to be like, well, I mean, he's going to Florida. So I guess that that's, those are the guys that you want to get those guys that are in, so to say your backyard. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it. I mean, Lakeland, Tampa has typically been one of those areas where Florida has been able to pull recruits out of even Jacksonville at times though. I think, you know, in the last several years, maybe not quite as much depth of talent there in terms of recruiting, but I mean, you said it, you know, Florida now has, you know, basically a couple five-star guys from Lakeland. You, you talk about Keon Zipper, Lloyd Summerall, you know, you've got guys that, you know, those two, I think were even in some ways instrumental in Florida being able to land Demarcus Bowman out of the portal. Not that, you know, they didn't do a good job recruiting him the first time around. And you know, obviously Greg Knox kept in touch and, and kind of kept that communication going. But when you have former teammates that you're able to lean on and say, Hey, you know, how's it going up there and they're enjoying it and you're competing, you know, really competing in the SEC East, giving yourself a chance to potentially play for an SEC championship. That's the kind of thing that recruits take notice of. And, you know, a lot of fans were kind of waiting to see, okay, we've seen the results on the field. Let's start to, you know, have it show up in recruiting. Like, I think we're starting to see that. And, and obviously uh, Sam McCall wasn't the only commitment that we had this week. I want to talk a little bit about another guy that Florida landed uh, top 100 prospect, um, now I'm drawing a blank. I'll let you go. Jeremiah Scooby Williams. There you go. Jeremiah Williams. Uh, he's the, he's, he's listed as a, as a weak side defensive end, kind of that edge rusher buck type on 24 seven sports. He's listed as a weak side defensive end. He can play that position. I think when you look, and I know I'm saying a word that's going to scare a lot of Florida fans. He's a guy that is very versatile, <laughs> but I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, he's got that same frame as Diabate to where he looks like a skinny, long, lanky edge type guy. I mean, this is a guy that's coming in. Jeremiah is, I believe, 6'3", 224 is what he's listed on his profile, can continue to add that weight. I think he's a guy that you'll see Florida that's very – first and foremost, they're very excited to land him because he is a versatile guy. He can play, you know, outside linebacker the money. He's athletic enough there. He's aggressive enough and, and hard-nosed enough to put there um, at, the, at that Mike linebacker spot. Um, and, again, you've got a guy that it can rush the edge off third down situationally at that buck position. So I think this is a guy that's right up the alley for the, I guess, true type of linebacker that Florida's going to want to land in their, in their defense. Athletic, um, you know, has a nose for the football, and, and he's physical. So I think that that's one of the biggest things when you look at what Jeremiah can do on the field. He's, I mean, he's flying around on his tape. He's a guy that's got a nose for the quarterback. Um, it was funny, you know, I've kind of thought of him as, you know, Diabate whenever I've explained to him, you know, subscribers on Swamp 24-7, just that guy that, yes, he's listed as a weak side defensive end, but he's going to do a little bit more. And it's funny, you know, when I was kind of talking to some sources and, you know, I had mentioned that, uh, you know, that kind of comparison to, uh, you know, how, how 
you know, I've explained him. You know, I had a guy that actually mentioned C.J. Mosley, that type of kind of fit, the old Alabama linebacker who's now in the NFL. Um, that was kind of the role that was explained to me, a guy who is, you know, was listed as an inside linebacker, but is athletic enough to do different things. So I think that Jeremiah is a big get, not only for just the fact that you get a guy that's, you know, it's never bad to get a top 100 commitment. It's never bad to get an area position that you really want to fill. But Florida pulled this guy out of Birmingham, Alabama. You know, he's a guy that Auburn was, uh, you know, trending early October for his commitment. Um, I don't know if it was just necessarily their season. Something seemed to take a turn here. And I I guess I probably should back up. Back in the summer, late summer, um, even, well, I guess even before that, I should back up more. Jeremiah was able to take an unofficial visit to Florida back in March before the shutdown for a junior day to Gainesville. That was a chance for him to see everything. Unfortunately, his mother wasn't there to see it. He came on his own. So, I mean, he, he, he as even said, he told 24-7 Sports Steve Wolfong um, in an interview just that, you know, we had released right after he made his commitment that, I mean, he thought about committing to Florida back in March. The only thing was his mom wasn't there. You know, some of these guys get caught up on some of these type of visits. So, I mean, he held off continued through the process late summer he was thinking about making a decision every source that I talked to kind of vetted they felt that Florida was going to be that pick there he obviously held off um, you know even a couple more months into there early October he's talking about making another decision it seemed like Auburn was going to be the pick mom had been pretty vocal about wanting him home he had a lot of good ties to the staff there there were a lot of things like there but I think this is just a guy in general who wanted to leave the home state he wanted to get out there he wanted to see different things and I think Florida was a place where he really wanted to be just with the, you know, the weather, the, you know, just, just the different things that Florida has to offer. And I think that that was something that was very interesting to him, just getting out of his home state. Well, Blake, um, you mentioned, sorry. you mentioned it seemed like there was a shift and, and maybe I'm sure. cutting you off a little early here, but to me, it seems like, and, and recruiting is always ebbs and flows, but it seems to me like Florida recruiting has shifted a little bit just in this last week, you no, know, just in terms of momentum. Definitely. And I think that that's something you're starting to see build now. I think where you see some of these guys that had liked Florida a lot, you know, the defense, yes, it's struggling. I think there's some things you can fix there. You know, I don't know that there's necessarily the type of struggles that are going to scare away, you know, a guy like Jeremiah Williams, because you look at that and I think Florida has done enough under Dan Mullen to show, you know, 10 wins, 11 wins that the the projection, the trajectory of the program, it, it seems to be on the up and up. Yes, there's some things on defense, but I think you're at the point now where Mullen's at, where you can pitch that, well, man, we're missing one guy just like you that can change the whole system. You can change this. So I think that that's where, I think that's where a lot of the momentum shift is. And I think that it's just Florida doing a good job with these guys, continuing to build off relationships. And I think that, I, I do think that Auburn struggles to the season. And I think that you're seeing the, you know, is the, the wheels falling off the Gus bus, you know, all those kind of things. I mean, recruits do see those type of things. And I think that that's something that could give him a little pause. And for the most part, from just vetting sources throughout this recruitment, um, it did seem that mom, again, wanted him close to home. And I think that the fact that you see, you know, the, just, I guess, the doubt creeping in of, you know, well, what's going on with Malzahn, what's going on there. I think that was enough to where mom was signing off because, again, she wanted him close. Um, so, obviously, Jeremiah had to win out there because he's going six hours away from home to Florida. Well, hey, if you're, uh, if you're looking for a silver lining to Florida's, you know, recent COVID-19 shutdown for the football program, uh, maybe it's not coincidence that they land two really high-profile commitments after the staff had two weeks to really do nothing but quarantine and stay at home and, and stay on these kids. So, uh, you know, a, a little interesting t- timing there for me. But, uh, Blake, let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back on the other side, I want to preview Missouri a little bit and talk about Florida's return from the COVID-19 shutdown right on the other side of this break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. 
That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, Florida is back on the practice field. They were able to get back out there on Monday after this significant COVID-19 outbreak. Basically, the latest is Florida has had 37 guys test positive in the month of October. The vast majority of those guys at this point have returned, but there, there were six cases within the last week uh, dating back to uh, the way they release the reports is every Tuesday. So from, uh, I guess, two days ago, the previous week before that, there were six cases. So there's still a few guys, Blake, that are going to be out and potentially out for this Missouri game or at least not have practiced much. Um, we, we talked about it a little bit on the last episode in terms of, I guess, the concern being how sharp Florida is. At this point now that we've had kind of a couple of days to digest and, and we've heard Dan Mullen and some of the players talk, uh, what is your gauge on what we can expect from Florida this weekend? You know, I think for me, the, the thing that I'm more concerned about is just the fact that they've had two weeks off. You know, as the rust set in, you know, I'm sure there were guys that were doing, you know, as much as they can. Uh, you know, from home or from their own gym or from wherever that may be. But it's different because you're not in the program. You're not around Nick Savage. You're not around the coaches. You're not there in your typical, you know, bubble. You know, you're, I feel like a lot of these players are in, so, so to say, a bubble when it's game week just because you have so many different things going on. So for me, I think numbers, yes. It, for, but for me, I guess it's, it's a who. And obviously we're not going to be able to find those things out, um, you know, just with how everything's going, you know, with just, you know, HIPAA and you know, just all, all these different things. So I, I guess the, the question I turn back to is just the time off where you look at a defense. And I think I even said it on our last podcast of, you know, sure the offense, you know, they, they have a lot of guys, they return, they're going to be crisp. They have a lot of guys that are mentally, you can do a lot of different mental reps. Sure. The physical ones help, but for me, the defense with their struggles, that's just something you just can't really get mental reps from whenever you're looking for things and you're, and you're looking to try different wrinkles or different personnel, or you're trying something new just in general. I think those are ones where you really have to take those physical reps. So I guess for me, I'm just curious to see how the team, how the team's going to respond with just two weeks off because I mean, that's, that's a long time in football. 
It is. And I think, you know, particularly it, it, it almost in some ways feels like sort of a new start to the season. It does. You know, Florida having two weeks off and really, I mean, that's two weeks without any football, but it's three weeks between games. I think you're going to unfortunately probably see the defense revert a little bit back to maybe some sloppy tackling and stuff like that. I think the real interesting thing, Blake, is going to be, it certainly sounds like Kyrie Campbell will be back this week. We can't 100% confirm that, but the Associated Press has reported it. A couple other outlets have reported it. It seems pretty rock solid at this point that he's going to be back. And we've talked about it previously when we were talking about ways to maybe fix this defense. Him coming back should allow Florida to get guys more in the right spots. You know, Zach Carter, the strong side end, Daryl Slayton into that three tech more so than the nose where he's occupying double teams. Uh, Brenton Cox, maybe a little bit more at buck where he's not maybe asked to set the edge quite as much as the force player. I think those things have the potential to make UF kind of more strong in the front. Um, but I'm curious, we've had a chance to, to watch Missouri, at least, you know, from a glance uh, the last couple of weeks. Is there any particular thing about Missouri that stands out to you as a, as a maybe a concern for Florida or things that um, you'll kind of be watching in this game? For me, it's, it's more of the passing game. Their passing game against Florida secondary, just because whenever I have to go back to, you know, this, the, the A&M game, they really struggled. You know, you look back at the Ole Miss game, they really struggled. And I think that whenever you look at having a quarterback that's capable, um, you know, I don't know. We're still kind of feeling things out with where Missouri's at quarterback-wise. You know, obviously I'm not saying he's, you know, a Kellen Mond or, you know, he's, he's not someone that's really established, so to say, like that. But I just think when you look at the body of work they've done, They've really done well in the air, and I think that just looking at how Florida's coming off that game against Texas A&M to where it was just a really poor showing in the secondary, I think that that, to me, is something to watch. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, but it's funny, <laughs> and, and this probably says as much about Florida's defense as anything. I was actually going to go the opposite route and say, uh, based on you know what Florida's shown in the front seven, Larry Roundtree at running back is a guy that really concerns me. I mean, definitely is, and he's you know, been there for like twenty-seven years. It feels like it really does. He's on the Andre Debose plan, <laughs> but uh, you know, through through four games so far, he's averaging basically a hundred yards uh, per game. You know, four point six yards a carry. So maybe not super explosive, but obviously a guy that can really move the chains. And I think um, you know Missouri's ability to kind of win games in different ways is something that Dan Mullen has stressed. And obviously in that Missouri LSU game, you know, Connor Basilak was a guy that really got hot, had four touchdown passes, you know, kind of carved up LSU's defense, which again, to your point, Florida's secondary is not shown enough for us to feel confident that he won't do the same Saturday in the swamp. Uh, on the flip side, last week against Kentucky, Missouri kind of took the opposite approach and really kind of limited Kentucky's offense by keeping them off the field. I think Kentucky's offense only played 32 plays, which is just an absurdly low number. And obviously the way that teams have played Florida so far this year has been basically exactly that. You don't want the ball in Kyle Trask's hands. You don't want the ball in Kyle Pitts's hands. And so I look at it, if you're Missouri trying to structure a game plan coming into this one, yes, I think, you know, Basilak is capable of shredding that secondary. But to me, I think the, the more interesting matchup is whether or not Roundtree can get it going on the ground. If Florida's front seven shows up and you've got Kyrie Campbell and all of a sudden the front looks different and they're, they're more capable. And I think we've seen signs at times that that could happen. I thought against South Carolina. Some of the games for Florida, it's pick your poison with how the defense is going to you know, really struggle. It is. And I thought South Carolina, they, they did a pretty good job in the front seven. I mean, you looked at the, the average yards per play. I think they were right at like 4.0. So, you know, obviously the big issue for Florida has been getting off the field. You know, that was an issue against South Carolina, even though the defense – theoretically played pretty well from a stat standpoint. 
is Missouri going to be able to, to set themselves up in those favorable down and distances? I think that's going to be really key. Obviously, the Tigers are very comfortable going for it on fourth down, which is something you see a lot of times when you have an offensive head coach like Eli Drinkwitz, like Dan Mullen. They love to go for it on fourth down. They'll trust their offense and leave them out there. And when you see the way Florida's defending against third and fourth down, I mean, you know, that's very obvious and cliche, but that's going to be a key matchup. Um, I do think one thing that sticks out to me for Missouri, just from a statistical standpoint, they haven't really forced takeaways. They've only got two turnovers forced on the entire year, and both of them were fumbles. So not necessarily good kind of getting in the passing lanes and picking off opposing quarterbacks. I think they're minus four in turnover margin. To me, that's going to be huge in this game. Uh, Obviously, you know, we've talked about teams being able to take away possessions from Florida's offense by, by, you know, basically keeping them off the field. A couple of possessions turnover wise in a game like this can go a long way on both sides. You know, if Florida gets an extra possession or two, I know we've talked about the defense maybe needing to be a little bit more aggressive, be a little bit more proactive and trying to, to, to force turnovers, even if that means they get burned deep every now and then. I think that's going to be a big key to this game. And I'm curious, really, really curious to see now that Florida's had three weeks in between games. We know that they've talked about shifting around the defense in terms of who plays where personnel-wise. Will they shift philosophically from a standpoint of, okay, we've been sitting back in a lot of zone coverage. That's not working. Todd Grantham did make an interesting comment this week that they want to play receivers a little bit closer. Does that mean they go press man and really start to force the issue? Does that mean they really come after the quarterback and, and try to create some turnovers that way? Not sure, but I think there's we're, we're going to learn a lot about who Florida is. Um, I I think the spread, Blake, is something close to two touchdowns. 13 and a half, I think, is what it was this morning, and that was as of Wednesday morning. So, I mean, obviously Vegas thinks Florida is going to be pretty good here. Uh, long layoff, we don't know exactly, but, if, I mean, if that's, if that's accurate and Florida can come out and do that, I think we'll go into that Georgia game feeling much better about Florida's chances. Now, obviously, that's a tough matchup, but it starts this week. You can't win that one until you win this one, and I think um, really for me the focus is stopping Missouri's ground game keep them from really drawing out the game and limiting your number of offensive possessions. And I think you'll have a pretty good chance. No doubt. That definitely sounds like, I think you bring up a good point. Just the fact that running the ball, they're going to be able to limit those, you know, those uh, just uh, chances for Florida's offense. And I think that uh, so far that seemed to be the kind of key for the game for some of these guys. And I don't think Florida wants to get into another shootout like they had uh, against A&M. Yeah. I would not think that would be ideal. I mean, obviously the offense is equipped for it, but I don't think the defense is. Yeah. So, all right, Blake, let's shift over. Let's go to our five-star mailbag segment. Uh, just to remind everyone, because we didn't have a whole lot of questions uh, on the five-star mailbag this week. What we do is every week uh, we're asking listeners of the podcast to go ahead and drop us a five-star review on Apple or any other uh, platform where you can leave us a review. And we want you to ask us a question that you want us to answer on the next episode of the podcast. Like we're going to go back into the mailbag a little bit. Uh, this question's from about two weeks ago. And basically the question is, we heard a lot about Derek Wingo, a four-star linebacker who signed with Florida last class being, you know, this guy that was supposed to be a really good leader, uh, had really good leadership qualities was maybe uh, a guy that Florida could count on at middle linebacker for the future, but we haven't seen Derek Wingo through three games. Um, Blake, I, I, first off, before we get to answering why we haven't seen him, I wanted you to kind of reiterate to fans what he brought to the table as a prospect. You know, I think that he's a very comparable to how Florida wants to use Jeremiah Williams, how I mentioned before, where he's going to be a linebacker. I mean, Derek Wingo, he came out of high school playing defensive end. I mean, he was a defensive end for St. Thomas Aquinas. I don't know if he ever took any snaps standing up off the top of my head. I don't remember any from the high school level camp there. 
um, you know, any kind of Nike camp or Under Armour camp or whatever kind of camp, he was one that did play the linebacker position. Um, I mean, he's a guy, I watched him at the Nike opening do like, you know, back handsprings and all sorts of different things. So, I mean, he's uber athletic. He's very athletic. He's not just a, uh, you know, he's not just a guy that puts his hand in the dirt. You know, he's full linebacker all day. But I think he's one that where you've got the guy that you can put on the edge third down situationally. You can, he has a nose for the quarterback of, you know, being that type of edge rusher type. But, I mean, he's another guy, too, that they're going to continue to build him up and, you know, beef him up more. But I think you could see him play the inside linebacker. I think you'd see the money linebacker. I think he's another guy that has some of the more size that Florida wants to put at that linebacker position. And I think that that's something that will come in time for him. But, you know, again, you mentioned it. He's a leader. He's a guy that's going to have his voice. And he's a guy that Florida was extremely excited about throughout the entire cycle and they continue to recruit him while he was committed to Penn State. So I think that uh, just a guy that was a really important piece to Florida's plans for that last cycle. No doubt. And I don't, I don't think there's any question that Derek Wingo is going to be a huge part of Florida's future at linebacker. The guy has an incredible upside, everything you just talked about in terms of his athleticism, uh, his length, his ability to do multiple things, including rush the passer. Um, but talking to Todd Grantham this week, and, and he was asked point blank why some of these younger guys like Derek Wingo haven't necessarily hit the field yet. And Todd Grantham had an interesting quote. Here's the quote for you. He said, the worst thing to do is to put someone in there and they're not ready and they don't have success. And then you have a confidence issue. So I've always been a guy that I'd rather play them a week late rather than a week early from a developmental standpoint to make sure they're ready. So we'll continue to do that based on what we see in practice. Now, I can tell you that Derek Wingo was one of the guys that was affected by COVID-19 early on. Uh, either, I believe that I was the Ole Miss game, right? Yes, and I don't know, I don't know exactly whether he had COVID-19 or it, he was quarantined due to contact tracing. But so he was a little bit behind the eight ball there just from missing a week or two of practice. And that's being uh, a freshman. And he's a freshman. I mean, it's not easy to play linebacker in the SEC as a true freshman. Now, Having said that, obviously Florida's struggles at linebacker have kind of highlighted the fact that he has not made an appearance yet. But I do think that um, essentially when Florida is confident in playing him, they'll play him. I, I think that's, that's very evident. You know, I think right now I think a lot of what's going on with Florida defensively is the coaches, one, whether it's right or wrong, and I don't fully agree with it, they, they are very much relying on veterans more than younger players right now, and you see that across the board. I think some of that is due to the – pandemic shortened off season. And I think some of that is just due to their inherent coaching style. Uh, I think that Florida staff is by and large, since they arrived at Florida under Dan Mullen stuck with veterans over younger players. Uh, I do think that that will change at some point. I think the, you know, again, and, and all SEC schedule also hurts Wingo from the standpoint of there's no easy game to get him in and kind of get him involved. I mean, you're in the heart of the schedule. Now you've got Missouri this week, Georgia coming up next week. Blake, I think at the end of the day, this is a guy that's really talented. I don't think it should be concerning for Florida fans necessarily that he's not in there right now. Um, he's a guy that, like you said, was, was playing defensive end a year ago in high school. And so there's, there's a lot of transition steps that have to happen in terms of learning technique, learning everything that entails playing linebacker at this level. Um, but I think he's a guy that sooner or later will make a big contribution at Florida. I wouldn't sweat at all that he's not playing right now. I think, again, Florida's preference for – having veterans in there is probably the, the primary driver right there. But Blake, uh, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know that you have uh, some recruiting to get to. We're shooting this directly after the five-star commitment from Sam McCall. Uh, you've got a couple other calls to make. Recruiting is obviously popping off right now. Uh, I do want to reiterate, we have a 50% uh, discount on our annual VIP subscription going on right now at swamp247.com. Recruiting is obviously heating up 2021 class pretty quickly coming to a close. There may be some late movement there, but Florida has a couple pieces still to add. 
And then obviously 2022 with the addition of five-star Sam McCall, who Florida added today, uh, off to a pretty rip-roaring start. And there should be a lot to come, I think, there in the weeks to come. So be sure to check out Swamp247.com. Blake will be posting a few more uh, updates here in the next day or two on recruiting, and you're not going to want to miss that. So that'll be all for us today, guys. Thank you for tuning in, and be sure to leave us a five-star review and a question for the five-star mailbag on our next episode of the podcast. We'll be back after this weekend's game against Missouri, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.